what I thought would be my entire, like my goal race for the whole year. Like that was the one that I was really focused on um, and came 11th and was probably like an hour behind the goal time of what I thought I could run. That day was such an amazing learning opportunity. Like I don't see that day as a failure or a flaw. Hey, and welcome back to the next episode of the TRW podcast. TRW, I'm too lazy to say trail running women today, I guess. We have a repeat guest on today. Jenny Quilty. So if you kind of are aware of what's going on up in Western Canada, Western U.S., there are a few runners that are really kind of pulling away from the pack. No pun, very much pun intended. And Jenny is one of them. Absolutely went from being seemingly a normal human to setting some massive course records and running so well. So the last time we talked, she had set this crazy course record at Squamish 50-50 and then was going in to have some other major goals. And then of course, COVID and all of this stuff happened. So her next big goal was to get a golden ticket to Western States. And the cool thing about the conversation with Jenny today is that we talk about the journey there and that it's not linear and that she had a goal race that she was 100% ready to go out and get her ticket. And as she wrote in her little note to me, she raced 80K and then just sort of spectated the last 20. So such a good reminder that no matter how talented people are, it is still such a mental game and being prepared and knowing how to run your own race. So it was really fun to hear like what she learned from that and how to keep going. She's also, if you know, just a super bubbly personality and really fun to listen to. So we have a lot of good laughs. And so after that one didn't go well in April, she got her stuff together and went over to Thailand for her first hundred miler where she won it and got her golden ticket. So we talk about where she's at now on her route to Western States. So I will link her Instagram and where you can find her. Her Instagram is kind of confusing. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's not confusing. I just don't know how to say it. And there's some spelling. So anyways, I digress. It'll be in the show notes. Um, If you would like to help with the show and you want to leave us a rating and review, that would be super cool. If you want to hear about my own training, I'm doing a little blog on Patreon along with all the old episodes. And you can find that in my Instagram bio at hillsport55. Used to be a lot about running. Now it's about an athletic three-year-old, but that's okay because he's cool. Okay. That's all I'll say. I'm going to leave it at that because we do chat for a while and we get really geeky about some stuff. So Make some notes and use it in your own races because Jenny's got loads of great ideas. All right. Thank you. I'm joined today with a guest we have had on the show before. And we, so this is fun because I was thinking about the first episode that you were on and it was this like first year where you were starting to suddenly get CRs and become this amazing runner. And now we get to talk about how to fill in the gaps to where you are today, fresh off your first 100 miler in Thailand, where you also came first place. Welcome to the show, Jenny Quilty. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think it's been since 2019. For everybody who maybe didn't hear that, let's start with a brief history of where you're from and how long you've been running and what you do for work. So I have um, been running ultras since I think about 2015. Um, I have been running trails since roughly around the same time, uh, maybe a little bit before that. And I I got into those after doing some halves, one full road marathon. <laughs> that's, that's still <laughs> accurate. That's all that's there on the road marathon list. Um, and uh, I got into those during my undergrad out in Edmonton at the University of Alberta and um, 
yeah, I kind of always ran. I think like again, I won't go too much into this because it's you can listen back into 2019 if you'd like. But um, I've always run kind of throughout university. Um, you know, I didn't run in varsity or anything like that, but more running for fun and for fitness at different times in my life. Um, and yeah, and, and after finishing my master's, decided to get into ultras and check out more trail running. And it's really obviously just snowballed since then. So um, I live in Abbotsford, BC, and this is actually where I grew up as well. Um, I did move away. Yeah, started trail running in Edmonton of all places after growing up in the Fraser Valley in British Columbia, but um, ended up coming back out here, living on the island again for my first job after school, um, where I yeah I finished my so I went to U of A, did my undergrad in physical education and recreation, then moved to UBC in Vancouver for my master's in occupational therapy, and then moved to the island. Yeah, long story short, back to the valley. <laughs> um, and now, actually, I guess a fun update since the 2019 episode. At that time, I was working as an occupational therapist in private practice and doing run coaching on the side. And as of February this past year, I am a full-time running coach. Um, so that's a major update that I don't think would have been on my list as a goal when we last chatted. I did, yeah, didn't put that one um, out there anywhere. I <laughs> didn't know it would be a thing. But so rewarding, right? And such a fun way to be so invested in the community and also like the flexibility to train and go after your own goals at once. I think it's just the perfect fit for. Yeah. Yeah. It's really come hand in hand, like the flexibility of my schedule um, and really getting to like apply a lot of the same, you know, concepts of what I was doing for work as an occupational therapist. Uh, Like the overlap is it's just like always surprising that I'm like, oh, I have a resource on that. Oh, like, you know, we're talking about domains of wellness. Oh, we're talking about like musculoskeletal stuff and I'm, you know, providing client education. Um, it, it's really cool. I, yeah, it's, it's, um, something I'm really grateful to be able to do. And it's feels like, you know, being on like the preventative side or the, I don't know, yeah, wellness focused side of health. So it's, yeah, it's really, really, um, amazing. And I, yeah, grateful for it in so many different ways. Totally. I can relate to that. So much where you're looking mm-hmm. at somebody's life and all of the aspects that go into it. And it's like, okay, we have this goal at hand, but then we have this larger goal of mm-hmm. being a lifelong runner, which is something we talked about on the podcast a lot and how to stay enjoying it and then navigating everything else in somebody's life and how to make it all work. And it is fun because you're like, okay, so I'm taking the stress away for this person and then yeah. they just get to do the run. And it's that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's like in, in occupational therapy and private practice, I would spend a lot of my time with a lot of my clients talking about where they were going to fit their different rehab goals or activities to help them get better from whatever they were recovering from into their day. So like the first, you know, or last thing, depending on the session we would, we would do is talk about their week and where everything was going to fit. And we would literally write out the activity goals for the week. And now I'm like, I get to do that exact same thing, but it's a focused around how is the run going to fit in or how, you know, does this fit alongside the other things? And so it's, it's so cool. Pretty cool. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations. I think that's, Thanks. that's really cool. And just Thanks. watching you from afar too, and the things you've done to segue back into kind of your running journey, mm-hmm. um, as a friend as well has been so fun. Like you've just been someone I think that everybody's cheering for. So to watch the last kind of couple of years unfold has been pretty awesome. Thank you. So yeah, just pump your tires. So, yeah, to, go, thank you so much. <laughs> to go from Squamish 50-50 to getting the CR, um, that was like we just said, that was 2019. So then yeah. you had some pretty big goals and wham, everything's canceled. Uh, yeah. <laughs> come, come that March. So 
Do you remember? I mean, that's a few years back now, but do you kind of remember what that was like and what you decided to do during COVID to to keep working on running or how did you navigate that? Yeah, yeah, I definitely, definitely remember that because <laughs> I did that and was, yeah, on this big high of, you know, having achieved a goal that felt wildly out of reach to take the course record for the 50-50 at the time and, um, yeah, came up with, like, the overall weight, like, all these extra, you know, things that didn't ex- I didn't expect from it. And then I ran one more race out here in the Valley, the um, give or take 30K at Cultus Lake, and that was in October. Uh, oh, and then I think that I did Run Ridge Run in February. And then, yeah, it was like I was originally thinking I would go to the Canyons 100K in 2020 down in California, which is a golden ticket race. And uh, obviously that wasn't going to happen um, because of it was April of 2020. <laughs> and, um, and when that happened... I think, I mean, you know, you can't like, you can't do much about it, right? It was an uncontrollable and there were so many bigger things in the world that um, I really wasn't feeling like a loss. I just, I kind of took it like, okay, you know what? I have that much more time to get that much kind of faster and stronger. And now again, looking back to that, like I am so grateful because time is just an opportunity to develop as a runner. And in this sport, we need time, I think for most people. And, um, had I went down there, I think I, like, I don't think I would have had great success. I think I would have been shocked by what that world looked like and what racing there looked like. And, um, maybe I would have come up, I don't know if I, I personally, I don't think I would have come up discouraged cause that's not just really my takeaways usually, but, um, it, I might've been more intimidated versus having like more time. I just, yeah, I just recalibrated. It's like, okay, you know, I'll do it. I did a time trial 50 K out in the river Valley in Chilliwack, which was super fun. Um, I did a, f- a few FKTs just because there simply aren't FKTs out here in the Valley. So I wanted to put some on the map for other people. And um, I even redid one of them because the conditions weren't great the first day I went. Um, and then, yeah, I just kind of, took it as an opportunity to get more practice. So, and then in 2021, um, a lot of the races in the States were going on, but not as many races in Canada were able to proceed as per usual or with new requirements due to COVID. So I had to wait. I kind of registered for a few things and just was like, well, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, kind of felt like a gamble. And the first race that I was able to do was the Canadian death race, 118 K. And then I also had registered because I, I thought one of two would go through, but I had also registered for ultra trail Heracana out in Quebec, which was 125 K and they're six weeks apart. Uh, and both went forward. So those were my two races back after 2020, um, in 2022. So, yeah. <laughs> so how did those go and how did you navigate, uh, six weeks between them? Um, I treated the death race like a training race, even though it was the same vert and, you know, for very similar distance, um, just mentally. And, you know, my, my race day approach was more of a training race, um, of learning that distance and yeah, being able to like pin on a bib and practice kind of like, I think I left the first aid station and Matt forgot to give me my water bottles. I ran back oh for them because I was like, Oh, we're out of practice. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Um, so like, you know, just like a day where those things were just kind of funny versus being too stressed and it went really well. Um, I placed second for women and fifth overall with the first place woman being Priscilla Forgy, who, um, 
I end up shouting out all the time because she beats me. So <laughs> I'm going <good for Priscilla>. to <laughs> like every podcast since then. Um, yeah. And she came fourth overall, I believe. Um, so that was an awesome race. We ran back and forth throughout it a lot of the day. And um, I was just like practicing cooling strategies, uh, practicing fueling for that distance. And yeah, kind of just dipping, you know, your toes back into the race scene and making sure that I came out feeling more excited to run again in six weeks than anything. So um that was, yeah, that was awesome. And then I had a nice recovery, like the, the typical that I see in my training plan, you know, 10, I think I had 10 or 11 days fully off with like literally nothing. Um, and then did a few tune-ups, probably a few more hill repeats, if I recall properly, um, if I, yeah, if I can remember, and then went out to Quebec to do the UTHC as kind of the, the goal race for the year. Um, and yeah, that one went like, I think you asked how it, that one went really well as well. Um, that one I won for women, um, and came second overall. So that was, yeah, I felt really, really good going into that one. Like I felt really comfortable about the distance and excited to race it. So, so what are some of the, some of the key things? Like, I mean, yeah, you can push a little bit harder, but I feel like anything mm-hmm. over a hundred K is kind of like, you sort of have a pace for that. Yes. Yeah. Or did you run significantly harder? You think in the mm-hmm. actual a race? In the A race, I started to push more, I would say, in the back half as much as I could. So uh, in UTHC, they start you at 1 p.m. So you actually have, and that was new the year I ran it. So I do think technically it's a slower course because you simply see more hours of it in the darkness as the right. as the front pack, I should add. You don't get the morning light again. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a, a slower course course because of that I was overall now but you start at 1 p.m and yeah I just I really eased in like I always yeah start that distance kind of like I'm heading out for a long run and then um try to push you know later on a bit more than you want to and that was one again it taught me a lot for the next races ahead and and before Thailand because I finished feeling like had it been 30 more K that would have been fine. So I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe that was like my hundred mile effort, you know, until the last 20 K and maybe I should start pushing more with like 50 K to go for myself. Um, and just going up like one or two gears, I'm not talking about redlining or anything like, (laughs) but you know, just going from conversational to like kind of choppy conversational effort. (laughs) Um, and I, yeah, I fueled with gels and chews and stuff. So I just had practiced that from death race and, um, I was a bit smoother with that. Like I knew I didn't need solids for that distance. I didn't need, you know, to worry too much about doing anything different than I did in a long training run. So just kind of going in with that confidence too. And, um, it, and that one actually really came down honestly to having the kind of carrot and stick. So in that race, um, the podium was myself. Second place was Marianne Hogan. Third place was Katie Asmith. So like talk about, you know, um, two women who are very inspiring and motivating to get to race with. So for me, I knew I was running at, um, in second most of the day with Marianne about 30 minutes ahead and Katie was behind me. So I knew, you know, letting off the gas at all or kind of easing up and letting myself give in to any fatigue would be a mistake because Katie Asmith doesn't do that either. (laughs) So I knew to keep moving from that side. And then up ahead, there was Marianne. So uh, it was coming into the last last crude aid station with about 16K to go, I think it is. I caught Marianne. And so that created that strong push to the finish where like, 
then it was time to act like it was a 10 K, you know, as you know, obviously the pace does not reflect that, but like mentally thinking like all you have to do now is go because now you're trying to create space. So I just remember leaving that aid station going up the hill. Like I want her to see me take off. Like that was where like, you know, the competitive gears turned of like, I want her to think I'm out of reach, whether I feel like I should be or not. I, I want to create that. <laughs> so yeah. So that one, um, pushing the gears got easier towards the end because I had those incentives with me on the course. Yeah, I totally get that. And I, I love that moment where you're like, if I can just look not tired here yep. and move well up this hill, like it's so mentally deflating, like it's such a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, we always want to use our competition to push us to find our best. Like, I think I like to think of it that way. So it's like, okay, like, yeah, it's Marianne. Like, I know she's also coming, (laughs) you know, like as best as she can. She had rolled her ankle. So there was that. And I knew that because she said something about it, I think, as we passed. But it's still like, you never know, right? Even though you want to work together, like you never know what somebody's going to do. And we're all out there to, yeah, find our limits and push. So I just knew that no matter what, it was like, yeah, it was time to, um, yeah, go and get out of sight. And there was lots of shoulder checking, but I never saw her headlamp. So that was good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the funniest thing in the dark is like, you always feel like you don't know how far people are actually behind you, but in the night races where you're like, can see these flicker of lights and you're like, Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Like for me with that, I caught some of the men in that last section and, um, I had no idea where I was in the overall field. So like I kept telling myself like, you know, this isn't scary. There's tons of, you know, men ahead that have cleared the path. And like, turns out there was only one other, other, cause I started to break spider webs and was like, um, oh no, of course. Yeah. Why are there cobwebs? Yeah. <laughs> so that's always funny too. We can convince yes. ourselves of many things. <laughs> D- definitely many, many things, but I actually yeah. love the night running and I, same mm-hmm. thing where you're like, Oh, so many other people, like they've definitely scared all the cougars and bears away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then when you like look at where the finish is too, sometimes you're like, no, I was, yeah, or how my, like I was yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like anything could have strolled across, but, um, I mean, sometimes that's a novelty of running a race somewhere new is that you're like, I don't even know what lives out here. So I'm just going to pretend there's nothing. Yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah. Okay, so I have a question, and it also goes, we were saying before the show, that we have two athletes that are, Jenny has one and I have one, that are really good friends on the island, and they always laugh when we communicate. Um, So I said, I asked them what a question to ask you was, and one of them was, what was the trigger point or motivation to increase your distance or complete in a 100-miler? And I feel like you alluded to it before, and it was going after a golden ticket. Am I close? Yes, you're spot on. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, So specifically in this, I mean, I've always wanted to do a hundred miler. Like I definitely am very aware that when you go after a golden ticket, it's to run a hundred miles. Like that's the outcome. It's not, you know, a a ticket, it's a hundred mile entrance. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's been on my radar for a long time. And as I've done these races like death race and ultra trail Hurricana, I've just, I've really enjoyed them. So running, you know, the 125 K distance and in our Canadian courses, like you're running terrain that takes the same amount of time as hopefully Western States hundred will. So I'm like, I like that time range. I like the, you know, really full day. Um, I want to play with that. Um, so the decision to do it now and to do a golden ticket race at Dewey in Thailand, that was a um, hundred miler 
those just kind of went together. Like that's just, you know, how the opportunity was laid out in front of me. Um, I had originally signed up like last March through the UTMB support program to do the 100K. And then in September, they announced that uh, the 100 miler was now a golden ticket race. And I was like, well, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <There> we go. <laughs> I've got three months. Let's do this thing. Um, so yeah, that that was why I did it now. Um, had the 100K been the golden ticket race, I probably would have kept to that distance. I just want to take a second to thank our sponsor, Athletic Greens. So I've been taking AG1 since the summer, and I think I'm probably addicted to this habit now. So my favorite thing is that it actually tastes Good. So I put it in a glass of cold water or a smoothie and I take it first thing. And during cold and flu season, when I am faced with every sort of random sickness that is brought home from daycare, I've been relatively unscathed. And I think the increased immune system support has really helped me. And if I have caught a cold, it's actually been very short and not too bad and has not taken not taken very much out of my training schedule, which is so important. So there's just no way I'm going to take a bunch of pills and vitamins every day. I need something that is quick, easy, and that I feel like I actually respond to. So pills, I just, I don't know if I don't digest them well, but I feel like I never get everything once it breaks through the case that the pill is in. So I love that it's a powder that I can just mix in water and I feel like it's so much more bioavailable then and just sort of absorbed into my system that even though I'm making mildly poor choices about the amount of activity, that I'm supporting it with everything I need to sustain that level of activity. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com backslash TRW. That's athleticgreens.com backslash TRW and check it out. Okay, so I want to back up a step as well. Because, I mean, it seems, and obviously this is just from the outside, um, like, it's like, okay, you start running fast and everything goes amazing. I mean, you're coming second in your training run, so some of us just don't have that sort of outcome. But there was a race, um, Canyon's 100K in April, mm-hmm. that wasn't your best. So I'd like to know, like, yeah. what happened? <laughs> what mistakes did you make yeah, and oh. what makes you human? <laughs> I'm so excited to chat about that because I feel like, I mean, not that anybody needs to hear, but it's like probably just processing for me too. Like it's nice to talk through the good and the not so good. So yeah, Canyon's 100K. So um, in 2022, I did Chuckanut in March. And again, that was a 50K and that was for me a training race. So went in with that same idea of like get a good aerobic stimulus, but have a training day. Um and in that one, like I came eighth and was like, yep, yeah, cool. Training day. Happy. <laughs> like really, really um, happy with that. And maybe that's my own thing of like, I can do training races truly as training races. Um, doesn't mean it's like easy effort, but like, you know, it's, it's just different. And then went into canyons kind of as the, what I thought would be my entire, like my goal race for the whole year. Like that was the one that I was really focused on um, and came 11th and was probably like an hour behind the goal time of what I thought I could run. That day was such an amazing learning opportunity. Like I don't see that day as a failure or a flop. Like I still ran a hundred K, you know, I still had some things kind of go well and came out of it with so many lessons that I um, am really grateful to have then gotten to take forward into, you know, the rest of the season. Um, so basically 
I would say my biggest mistake overall, there was two things. The really practical, like easy to understand mistake is that I, I simply underfueled. I like literally forgot how I fueled through UTHC and death race and just didn't have enough. And I didn't add, I usually add some chews like the cliff shot blocks or things like that, that I can chew to um, help hold off sensations of hunger. Um, because when you actually chew, like you help your digestion. I think for me anyways, it seems to really help ward off hunger. And then I use gels otherwise. So no, that's true. I, Cause I think there's a stimulation yeah, in your yeah. saliva. Yeah. And the word for it. What is it? Amylase starts digesting. Oh yeah. 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 And so, so when that, when that comes out, your body's like, Oh, I'm eating. That's why like yeah. smoothies sometimes can be 500 calories and not that filling. Cause your body doesn't totally. have that sensation. Yeah. You got to have some chewy stuff in there. Some chewy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> some chewy stuff. Technically speaking. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I've always found that really helpful because I'm a hungry person. Like I'm somebody who gets hungry when I, when I run and you know, when I run that far, like I typically in a race eat about 400 calories an hour. So, um, yep. <laughs> so I need well done. Food. That's the Thank goal. You. That's the Thank goal. You. It, it tapers off for sure. But like, that's where I start at. Sometimes it gets closer to five and because I'm drinking more or things like that. But anyways, I was probably having closer to three for the first half and then tapering that off in canyons unintentionally, just, um, yeah, just kind of, again, forgot to chew things. So I just had gels and just didn't want them because it was also hot for me for that time of year. Um, and though I had went down, so I went down to California four weeks early and trained on the course, but the whole time we were there, it was like 15, 18, and then race day was up in the twenties Celsius. And it just, I wasn't like really ready to handle that with any cooling and it did feel hot to me. So that was, yeah, the fueling um, was a big piece, like the most objective, obvious one. And the other one I got to reflect on a lot after it was that competing in that size of field and um, trying to race for a performance outcome was really tough for me. So I didn't like having a performance outcome because I never race being like, I want to win or I want to podium. I race for times or for my own, like with my own performance goals around how I'm going to feel and push and like challenge myself during the race. That's, that's what works for me. So I instantly started comparing myself in that race to how others, like how I was doing compared to others around me. And I didn't notice what was happening because I've never done that before. So I remember going into aid station, the first aid station you could see crew at, I think it was the second one and watching Leah Yingling swap her pack and me swapping, swapping bottles and being like, Oh my God, like, I didn't think of a pack swap. Like I'm a, I'm what a rookie, you know, what it like, and having that negative self-talk around my race plan that really had absolutely nothing to do with my performance overall, but I got really in my head about how I was doing compared to other people. And, um, and yeah, that was, that was new. I, again, I don't usually feel that way or let my mind kind of wander down those other rabbit holes. I just like, am really good at following my plan and sticking to my efforts until different like opportunities present like towards the end of a race and then kind of diving into like, okay, time to pass or push, you know, and, and kind of having a very short time in a race where I'm focused on a performance goal because if like if the opportunity presents otherwise I just do my thing and so I honestly can say like that race I ran 80k and spectated 20 <laughs> like I think that's the best way to describe it because I remember getting past and moving into 11th and I was like yeah you go girl like heck yeah climb that hill <laughs> and I was just like oh I'm not racing anymore like shoot <laughs> and I didn't really come back from that. So after it was this, again, this like really big spot of reflection of being like, 
I, I also felt fantastic. Like I, was, I said to my coach, David, I was like, David, I raced, like I ran 50 miles and I hiked like the last two hours, like I was hiking and I was no longer like in it mentally or physically. So uh, yeah, I got, I think I moved from, I can't remember if I was like holding kind of 10th most of the day. And my race plan had been to kind of do that up until about Forest Hill and then start to race more like to have a back half race. And I just like with where my mental space was at and probably my calorie deficiency, I just checked out and watched the race happen around me. Like I saw Jasmine Lothar who won coming out of the loop that the only section of course that overlaps. So there she was about five or six K ahead of me, I think it would have been. And like, I was just so stoked for her and how far ahead she was. And yeah, I really, um, I enjoyed cheering for others (laughs) in the end of that course. So that, yeah, gave me a lot to, to work on after. Yeah, but I mean, it's amazing how mentally exhausting it is to mm-hmm. also be fighting those thoughts during that race, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and like looking back, like I know, you know, these are things again. Like I talk to my athletes about. I, I plan for myself in most cases, and especially now with that experience of being like, oh, I need a protective strategy against that, or now I need to recognize when it starts happening. Not like in that race, I really let it take over my race. And again, that was just new for me um, because I hadn't been in a position yet where there's like 30 women who could be top 10 that day. So like that was just a learning experience, you know, kind of in its own. Um, Because in Canada, like I've said, we have so many amazing women, especially like, like we're so fortunate in Canada. It's just, I think we have such a strong group of women, but we don't always do the same races. So you may line up with like three or four people who you you know, and, and some who you don't. But they're just smaller in general, even by numbers, right? Like Canyons has like, I can't even remember how many hundreds of people at the start line. So it's it's just different. Um, and it was, a, yeah, a different experience. Where normally like if I'm having um, some difficulty with self-talk where I'm like, oh, I don't feel that strong today. I know how to shut down those thoughts, right? Like I know how, like what works for me in those situations. But the one of me watching others <laughs> was just like, oh gosh, that got dark. <laughs> and that lasted for a few hours. <laughs> so oops. <laughs> yeah and okay so you talked a bit about um not having a performance-based outcome would help with that but are there any other tools where you're like okay so I don't do this again in my next race how do you just focus on running your own race yeah so I actually did a few sessions after with Addie Bracey um who's a sports psychologist and because I was like Addie like like somebody like I don't know like I can do I can be my own sounding board but like I knew what the error was and I felt like I, I wanted some guidance like from a professional on, on how to better prepare for that scenario rather than just like putting myself in it again and seeing if I could do it differently. So I think we did about two or three sessions and she gave me some really awesome strategies and homework to do where just to like notice what would happen on um, long runs with hard efforts when I would like go into my hard efforts, if I could think about, okay, like what would I do if somebody passed me right now? <laughs> Even though I think I'm working really hard, you know, what, where would my head go? And I would notice like my heart rate kind of elevate. And then we talked about different strategies to try in those situations to see if I could, like what would bring me back and where I liked my focus. So 
there's the difference um, mentally of internal focus or external focus where you're focused, like internally would be things like focusing on your breath, focusing on how you're moving, right? Focusing on um, like the things internal to you versus external is like looking at your surroundings, thinking about the next aid station or coming or sometimes having a checklist like, okay, I'm going to eat the gel at this point. I'm going to do this at this point, or uh, I'm going to like hold this effort to that fern or whatever it was. So on my long runs, I just played around with some of the strategies her and I had generated together and found that I really like internal um, strategies, which again is like very different for every person. So I like to be in my happy bubble. So like we came up with the idea of actually visualizing like a bubble around me that when I needed to, I could almost kind of like use my breath to check in and kind of create this like bubble idea around me that I don't let others into and I don't let other things going on around me into and just come back to, again, I like having a list. So coming back to myself and coming back to like, okay, like I'm moving on, you know, like through, it's not time to fuel yet. Do I need to hydrate? You know, how's my breathing? How's my effort? And kind of having some things to come back to check in on that have absolutely nothing to do with what's going on around me and and letting that be a, a place of focus. So yeah, I think it's really cool to, like, we all know self-talk is really beneficial and then it's knowing how to recognize when you're not using helpful self-talk and like what you can do about it in that moment that works for you. Because if you're like, I'm going to listen to music and you don't actually even pay attention to what song is playing, well then turning on music is not very helpful. You need to be like, I'm going to put on this song and I'm going to like bop along <laughs> and then it's actually, you know, going to be there for you or I'm going to count to, you know, 12 of this type of fern that I always see or whatever it is, right? Like, again, everyone's different, but it's, it's really revising those strategies and finding the ones that, that shift where your brain is at. So yeah, I did, I did a lot of practice with that. And then I did two shorter races where I got to kind of apply it and, and play with those ideas um, before, yeah, going back into an ultra with it. So yeah, I love that. It's so it's so right that you have to think about all of these things and apply them and come up with better ideas going into your next race. What about physically? Was there anything where you were like, okay, I need to revisit this from a physical training standpoint before I hit my 100 miler? Not really, because at that point I was not thinking I would be doing a 100 miler. Oh, that's December. right, yeah. <laughs> so I came out of it. Um, another takeaway for me, like again, that I think is is hopefully really applicable to other people. I felt like it taught me a lot about racing in different areas because when you come from the West, well, not the West Coast everywhere, but West Coast in BC, Canada, and, you know, anybody from the East Coast would relate when we have really technical trails, um, it's, you become really good at what you do a lot of, right? So when I went down there about four weeks before I was, I honestly was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, oh, this is like a track race, but in the, in the forest, <laughs> like, you know, this is buffed out California trails. Um, there's a few techie sections, they don't last long, but there was still 4,000 meters. So, um, it just, the more I race different places, the more I learn about different terrain, which is always valuable. Um, and I think the more I've learned about how to kind of I don't, I don't want to say specific, like how to do specificity because I feel like I've known that before and for, a, for quite a while, but um, how to like race specificity. So in that 100K and in these like bigger events, I, I feel like I'm still learning how to like, how to show up um, really ready for, yeah, for the terrain and like to truly like race the race day, which might sound super weird to say as like, you know, somebody who obviously does this like, and wants to do this at a, at a really high level. Like, but 
I feel like, again, in Canada, so many of our races are like about the adventure and still doing it fast and racing. But fast is different when you're climbing single track, you know, trails. So when I came out of canyons, I was like, okay, I haven't done a 100K that's like 99% runnable. That's new. So it just changed maybe how I look at my weekday training runs, how I value um, the odd long run that is purely runnable versus being like, oh, all all long runs, you know, even within specificity can still be pretty rugged and just being like, no, like if I'm going to run a hundred K that, you know, for 13 hours is like pretty darn runnable. I actually need to practice running six hours, you know, on a long weekend run when I have, you know, close to 50 K or something. Um, there might be a little more vert. There might be a few sections that are a bit more techy, but I need to actually find things that are runnable and smooth versus yeah, just doing like the aerobic stimulus work. Um, Cause I'm not like, I'm, I don't come from a track background. I'm not naturally, as fast, I'm going to say, as many of the women who do come from track backgrounds. And then they just need to like build the endurance to hold that speed. I'm like, I've never, you know, I have, again, I've done one road marathon. (laughs) So I feel like that's where my adaptations and physical training is still going that um, I'm still in my first five years of, of seriously training for ultras. And I, I hope that means I just have, you know, a couple more years where I'm really actually still gaining. Because we say that all the time too on the podcast, like especially I almost, well, I don't know, it's bad going both ways. You get people used to those nice buff trails who can run a hundred K runnable and then they're just going up and down and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why A, am I out here for 16 <laughs> hours? And yes. B, like what has happened to my quads? It's on one hand, it's so fun to be like, I'm going to really challenge myself to do the other thing. But yeah, it's a totally different system. And you do eventually. So I want to say this because a lot of our listeners are just doing their first 50k. And mm-hmm. if you are in a flat paved area, and you want to do a mountain 50k as like your lifelong dream, mm-hmm. and you were like, I just want to make cutoffs, it doesn't matter, you yeah. can find a way to make this race happen for you. But like, well, like 100%. you said, if you're trying to get a golden ticket, you got to select a race that you can train for. Yes, I think I mean, I think so. Like, it's, it's important that you like, again, I, I feel like I'm, I'm with you fully. Like you can train for a mountainous 50 K regardless of where you live in the world. You can train for a mountainous ultra probably of most distances, regardless of where you live in the world. But yeah, as you want to improve and stuff, I think like, yeah, training, training for a golden ticket, that's just something again, maybe not every racer would have to, like, I, I don't want to say that there's people who couldn't do it. Cause that's probably not true, but you know, as I've seen like where I, or where, and when I do my best performances, it's when I'm like, yeah, really developing that capacity to, to be on that type of terrain that it will require. And I think, um, yeah, going to canyons and seeing like how runnable it was, was really intimidating because like my, like, it's like my 50 Ks aren't nearly this runnable, you know, my long weekend, 23 Ks have half the vert of this hundred K <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm not prepared to run fast for 100 kilometers because my body, like, you know, I, I, I typically do roughly or just under hundred K weeks. So like this, um, with a lot of hiking, right. So this is just so different that, yeah, that aerobic and musculoskeletal like readiness to, um, move that way for that long. I'm like, my body's just never done it. Right. So yeah, it's like, maybe that's why I didn't like feel bad coming out of it. I was just like, Oh dear. Like, sorry, body. We gotta, we're going to work on, on that. But, and that's, that's so like such the fun part of it, right? Is it's, mm, yeah. Every race can be so different. And I mean, doing a variety, you're just going to get fitter in general anyways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. We, 
this is going to be so long because I have so many things I don't want to ask you, but whatever. <laughs> I, I'll try to shove it all in quick. Because two one thing, yeah, right? Part one, part two. Yeah. One thing, like you talk about not having this track background, yeah. but at the same time as improving these super long distances, I mean, we did a fun like virtual 10K together yeah. and then I saw you at that half marathon where, I mean is it the carbon shoes or are you just like a freak? Because you're like, Oh, it was 36 minutes. Like what the heck? Like, 36, 53. Don't forget. <laughs> um, sorry. I don't think I let you finish. That no, that was it. Just oh, like, okay. like, without the question. <laughs> like, like what happened? Was it just like, okay, I'm going to put some effort into the road and maybe you hadn't hmm. done that before. Yeah. I've, so again, like it's, uh, been with my coach for a few years and before that I didn't really do speed work. And I think that again, just speaks to like, this sport rewards those who can stay in it for a long time. I am saying with my fingers crossed, knocking on wood, hoping that's true. (laughs) Um, And who can be consistent over time is probably, you know, obviously there's genetic things there around injury risk and different stuff that comes up and an injury doesn't mean you can't come back and get even stronger or like women who have babies and come back and are even stronger after time away. But overall, like keep showing up and keep showing back up. Um, I think really is rewarded in this sport. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think those short distances, like I, I, yeah, undoubtedly, again, I'm grateful to say like, I have, I haven't raced any this year, but like I have gotten faster and faster each time I do them. And I usually do, um, a road kind of speed work build. It's usually through winter this year. And it's not because of Thailand being in December, but usually I end up doing like a five, 10 half kind of, um, speed build through winter. And yeah, just again, I think because I didn't develop those things at an earlier age that my, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm fortunate that when I do speed work, my body kind of responds to it. But like, again, like, I mean, that being said, I'm, I'm fast maybe for a trail and ultra runner, but like compared to, if you look at some of the times of, again, the women that were racing that, that competed, you know, as varsity athletes, like I'm, I'm not throwing down 15 minute 5Ks, you know, I'm minutes off that, which is a ton in the 5K if you were trying to compete at that level, right? Or like, I don't have a 30 minute 10K um, and I don't think I ever will. And that's entirely fine. Um, But so yeah, like I'm not a fast twitch athlete in that way. Yeah, but it's so cool to look at it too and be like, I mean, fast switch for 400 meters or 100 meters, maybe yeah. something different, but yeah. fast switch for even a fast 5k or fast 10k is different than ultra pace. So to yeah. know that you can kind of improve both of those things is super cool. Yeah. I think what it's taught me a bit about too, is like racing, like obviously you're getting coaching, won't go too deep into it, but like you want to raise the ceiling, right. Or so that you can raise the floor and the, like, meaning that if you can run fast, then you want to be able to run kind of fast for longer. So it's taught me a bit about having the confidence to push where I'm racing at versus, uh, doing, you know, this ultra saying of like, start slow and go slower. I'm always like, no, if you train and you, know your abilities and you trust yourself and you're willing to accept the challenge that comes with it, you can actually push a bit into that kind of, you know, obviously sub threshold, but like aerobic zone. And sometimes our aerobic zone can be shockingly fast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And you can push that zone. And I love that. So, I mean, obviously after you're doing a road marathon to see what happens, but I mean, (laughs) Uh, I will not acknowledge that question. (laughs) (laughs) okay thailand you're deciding to do the 100 miles i mean we were all watching on instagram absolutely epic but talk about going to terrain that you're going to have no idea about (laughs) um give us some highlights of the race and what it was like 
The race was amazing. I absolutely loved loved it. Like I, I truly feel, regardless of the outcome, like obviously, um, it went really well for me. If that had not been the case, I was still having like the freaking best time out there seeing this course. You get to. I'm going to try and do this yeah, relatively quickly for you. You get to see this amazing loop. There's only one section that you out and back on, but it's a little road to the summit of the highest point in Thailand. And then you go partway back down and go back into the trails. And you get to see like all these little amazing villages that you are welcomed into by the kids who are like lined up to high five you, the um, people there who are cheering you on and like waving. And um, it felt really, really welcoming, which was which was really nice. And then you, in between the aid stations and in between these villages, you are just like off in the jungle. Like you're literally just- That's so cool. It's so cool. And you are, like I had named different areas as I moved through them. I was like, wow, I'm in banana leaf tree world. And now I'm in, you know, like whatever world. And and the terrain was like treacherous. (laughs) I won't lie about that, but I loved it. Like it was so fun to be on wild single track that- you just, you like, it's not a normal route, right? It's, it's put in place for this race and you just follow irrigation lines, like beside this waterfall, like up the side of honestly, just the side of the mountain, like, and then you go down the fire break, which I thought would be like, kind of like mowed grass, you know, like a ski hill. And like, no, like you're up on this ridge that again, like there's, maybe it's been mowed or the grass is just short, but like you're I was sidestepping, like I was using my poles more like crutches because you're descending in the dark and you're like, you can't fall. It's not safe to fall. <laughs> so it, it was good. And I never felt unsafe um, at all, but it was incredibly challenging, unique terrain. And yeah, like you, I, you just, you're out in the jungle and then you get to go into a village The wherever there were roads, there was actually a lot more road than I expected. But the the catch is that the road is like usually a 30% grade. So like I had my poles out on the road climbing. <laughs> there was only one section of race in the whole entire 100 mile where I put my poles away. And that was um, going from kilometer 45 to 50, where the road is is more of like a 6 to 8% grade. And it's just kind of like annoying to run, but you do. <laughs> I didn't need my poles for that. And that was, that was it. <laughs> I, know, I know that feeling. It was Switzerland was like that too, where it was so steep at road where you're like, oh. Well, yeah, like I don't know how vehicles go up this. Like it's, it's absolutely mind blowing. Like we don't have roads that are that great. I mean, obviously for many reasons, considering the weather differences, but it was, it was amazing because you got great views from the roads. Like the roads were never disappointing. (laughs) I would get excited because you get to look around more and you can see the path ahead of you and you don't have to worry about what's under your foot. Um, But yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was something. There was tons of water crossings good handful. I was able to get across dry one. I just totally fell in because I tried to hop like the man had in front of me and he was so graceful. And as soon as I saw his like four hops across the rocks, I was like, I am not going to be able to do that. Sure enough, fell right in. (laughs) 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 He also had actually just like literally retrieved me when I fell off this like sandbank that was lined with caution tape. Like they told us this is a slippery slope. I slid right down it. And he like, pulled me up from under my armpit. So huge shout out to him. I, I looked at him. I was like, I swear I've been on trails before. (laughs) Within 20 seconds, I was like, you've seen me fall twice. Okay. So I'm going to ask one last question. How do you manage your professional life, social life? I know like (laughs) we don't have a social life. Is that what the left was? And (laughs) running that many kilometers every week. So actually start with how many kilometers a week 
you are running and then talking about your friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, insider scoop. Um, so I, I, in peak volume for the 100 miler, I was running up to about 130 kilometers per week. And normally I run about 100, maybe 105, maybe 95 kind of kilometers a week. That's like very normal, I'm going to call it. Um, so, which you know, it sounds like a lot, but it's not because when I'm that's my my summer as well with like a kid and a job, and it's yeah. it's totally doable if you you're gonna have one massive run and then every other day is like pretty reasonable. Yeah, it's um I would say with Thailand the thing that it like what adds up is I also had heat training, so it would be like the run like the runs which yeah for like we're long um, but not yeah not unreasonably so I wouldn't say. Um, because of the terrain I was trying to emulate and train on, you know, some long runs were pretty long, (laughs) Um, but otherwise it like, it can fit, but it does take sacrifices. I think that is what, like, I don't want to say what you have to do because I think I have, and I have coached many athletes to great success in 250 milers where they still have a family and they still have a day job and they still sleep and they still eat and all like, obviously those things are really critical to the success of getting to your race. So, um, it's different for everyone, but for me personally, like as asked in the question, like it's at, um, trying to compete and trying to perform at my best. Like I, I do try to treat myself like a professional athlete and, um, my work like as a coach is something I am continually working on trying to balance because I love coaching and it's my first year of like being fully self-employed. So that is, it's between training and work. Like those are my two that probably get most of my, well, no, they absolutely get most of my time at the top of my list. And I am very fortunate that the people in my life just are aware and have accepted that. <laughs> so like Matt, my partner, like if he, he doesn't come home and be like, oh, okay, are we hanging out or are we having dinner? Like he knows if I'm sitting at my computer that I might be there for the whole night. Like I will, I will kind of say if I'm like when I'm free and if he, and he's not always free, right? Like he goes off obviously and does his own things after work too. So we will have more intentional discussions around like which day we're doing something together or if he's joining for part of a Sunday long run, because sometimes in the hundred mile training, like that's how we got our time together. Or, um, he would do part of the run. Yeah. Come home. And, or we'd be like, okay. I'd be like, Oh, you know what? I think I can finish my work before 7 PM Friday. Let's watch a movie. <laughs> you know. Um, so in terms of like social life, most of my social life is on my runs. Most of my friends locally, um, are runners, whether, that's chicken or egg. It's probably, it's probably because I just run. (laughs) I see a few other friends for dog walks, like as recovery activities, but, uh, yeah, I'm an introvert. And my, if I run with people, that's usually kind of enough to fill my social cup personally. And then family, like, again, I've, I have set not, I don't say set boundaries. That sounds so harsh, but like there'll be dinners that I don't go to because I'm working because I ran that day or because I just have a lot on my plate. And, um, again, that's just like accepted right now. And, Um, that's, I I don't think like there's parts of it that relate to the training and there's parts that relate to self-employment. So I would look at those, those two are just really colliding right now because they're in the same industry, (laughs) but, um, they are a bit separate and it's, it's just trying to balance all the things. And, you know, I even said to Matt, like, I'm really fortunate. I'm not, um, knock on wood, like I'm not a runner who needs massage weekly or physio weekly. Uh, and if I did, I don't know how I would fit that in. Um, because 
like even with where I live, like driving to the trails sometimes is about, well, it's about 15 to 30 minutes. Just if I want like a good long run, it's probably a 30 minute drive. And, um, so to do that, you know, each way, and then I'm running doubles some days. So there's, you know, two hours that could add up of drive time in the day. Um, it, it does add up and we've just, we've made some choices in our life as to how we go about things. So like, I, I don't know when you're going to air this. I hope it's no longer true. Um, but it is, can I say the date today? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's only, January it's 30th. Okay. Yeah. It's January 30th. I got home on December 20th. The suitcase from Thailand is still on my bedroom floor. And like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care because I'm back to training. I'm back to work. Like I've always been at work. I didn't take that much. Like I didn't take time off. I did a bit less while away, but I didn't take time off. Um, so it's like, there's things like that. Like that again, thankfully I have a supportive partner who's like, Hey, I moved your suitcase over and you moved it back in front of my closet. I'm like, yeah, I did. (laughs) And it's still there. And laundry has been done, but like I, it doesn't always get put away that, you know, the same week I'll say that's, that's just true, honest, like talk about what it looks like. And, um, the things I care about doing are like feeding myself, doing my training, seeing Matt at some, you know, some regard, like some point in the week and walking and playing with Aria, our dog. So yeah, we've made some lifestyle changes. Um, I do like, we get meal deliveries and like not the ones that you have to cook. Like I get fully prepped, fully cooked meals that I just microwave for five lunches a week. (laughs) And that is what we do right now. (laughs) So yeah, there are very conscious shifts um, that have happened over the last year to allow time where I am currently dedicating it. And I think as I grow more confident in self-employment, or if this is just the way it always is, as probably business owners are like, ah, ha, ha, she thinks it'll change. Um, I don't know, like time will tell. But yeah, uh, between training and um, doing things the way we are right now, like it's just a lot. And um, yeah, there's some there's some conscious choices. There's laundry piles, there's dust bunnies that come with it, but that's okay. My house is a jumping off point for adventure. I like to think of it. <laughs> I uh, I respect a lot of what you just said, but I so badly want to un- uh, come and unpack your suitcase for you. Oh my gosh, you are welcome. Like honestly, I can give you a microwavable lunch, Hillary. I will. <laughs> I will pay you in food. <laughs> yeah, if anybody is looking uh, for an unpacking a suitcase, well, the problem, Hillary, is it's all my summer clothes because it was Thailand. So like, I don't need any of that. <laughs> are they clean? Sorry. Are they clean? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't know. I haven't opened. So, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't looked too close. <laughs> okay, so you have Western States this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you feeling? How are you feeling? I'm so excited. So, like, I feel like I spent uh, probably a lot of this talking about mountainous terrain and what I love, um, and you know, taking time and needing practice to get faster. And like this year is just the opportunity of that. Like, I know the terrain I'm headed to. I've ran a lot of it, um, and I'm so excited to get to play with the physiological, like the physical side of seeing myself go from the December hundred miler to a June hundred miler that are so different. (laughs) Yes. So different, but it's going to be so fun to see how that goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. And then you're going to switch it up for some mountain and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And, uh, UTMB at the end of the year. So yeah, sorry. CCC for the hundred K in September. Yes. So, I mean, that's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. I'm really glad to have the opportunity to do CCC instead of UTMB. So um, 
for people who don't know, because Doithanon, the 100 miler in Thailand, was a UTMB world major, the top 10 automatically qualify for the distance they raced there, which means technically I get into the UTMB, the 100 miler in September, but I asked to do the 100K because I was taking the golden ticket as well as for the, that goes to the first um, and second place male and female there. So with taking the 100 miler entry to Western states in June, um, end of June, I did not want to sign up for the 100 miler in September and put 300 milers, you know, within 12 months of each other in my first, well, I don't want to do that ever. I'll say in my first year because it is my first year, but it's accurate. I would, I think I'd say the same thing um, yeah. next year too. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I'm going to be doing the 100K. So right now my, my peer focus is on Western states. That is the goal. Um CCC, like it would be amazing to get to compete there and feel good uh, and have a good, strong race. I will assess that after Western States. Like I will go for sure. I, I mean, like as long as physically I'm in a healthy spot to go and and run the 100K um, and I will give it thought and planning and attention beforehand, but I will, I will assess like my race plan after States. I'm personally hoping that you're race plan after states is just to like go at very slow adventure pace and then yep. just like, yeah, see what happens. We have some summer plans. I got to Yeah. We're going to run. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, this is so fun. And I love, like, I mean, I think this happened last time too, just getting the diversity of goals and we hear so much, like you can't do everything, but like you totally can just improve <laughs> as an all around runner and sort of train for everything. And then you can pick certain parts of the year that you can dial in certain types of running and you can do whatever it is that makes you happy in the running world. So you don't have to stick to whatever umbrella you pick. And I think you're such a great example of that for people. Oh, thank you. It's yeah, that's, I think that's a really important point is like, if you're choosing one style of race, but you also love other styles of adventures, like you got to fit those in or else you're not like, you're not going to love your training and that won't lead to the best outcomes. Like you've got to, got to love it along the way too. What do you think it is about Western states that makes you most excited? Oh, that is such a good question. What makes me most excited, I think, is the opportunity to run alongside the other athletes who will be there. I am really, really inspired by the, um, well, all the runners in this sport, but the women in this sport. And it's a relatively small start line because they can only have so many people on there. So just, I, yeah, getting to be there with so many amazing women and just so many people who have worked so hard to be at that start line. And I don't mean the ones up front in that case. I mean, the people who have put in for the lottery for eight years, Yeah. Uh, however people have gotten to be there is a special story. So just being part of that is really cool. Yeah. I think kids home. Um, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. It's kind of like this race where you get to see, you just get to see the hard work that people have put in on so many different levels, like you just yeah. said, um, whether they're qualifying or, or lottery and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I can't wait to hear about how all this goes. And I want to thank you so much for your time. And if our runners want to reach out to you or find more of you, um, Instagram, blog, website, plug yourself. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram as Adventures of Genthar, which <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> um, Hillary, you could probably like link that somewhere. Um, yeah, it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> or my website is Pacific Pine Running Co. And there's a contact us um, link on there. So I think that's probably just sufficient. And yeah, reach out. Like if you're doing any races that you've seen that I've done or have questions about anything we chatted about, like I would, I would love to answer them 
Um, if, if you want tips on how to get your laundry done, I am not your person, but otherwise, <laughs> uh, reach on out. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again and have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you. You too.